A fair warning, my brother's experience is not indicative of how healthcare facilities are conducting COVID-19 tests and screenings across the country. This reflects the experience of one patient at one hospital. Thank you. I associate the month of March with several things. Spring begins, time skips forward an hour ahead, we lose an hour of sleep. NBA teams are in do or die mode as they fight to clinch playoff spots. College basketball kicks off its tournament, otherwise known as March Madness. But a new madness occurred, an unprecedented pandemic crisis on a global scale. Coronavirus. 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 Coronavirus crisis. COVID-19, also known as coronavirus, changed our world. I remember the week before the mandatory quarantine hit. At my university, friends and I would joke about staying three to six feet apart from each other and washing our hands before and after every class. I, like many of us, thought this would be the extent of it. Then I heard about Italy. People sequestered in their homes, grocery stores, doctor's offices, and pharmacies only remained open. And I heard about how the United States was only 11 days behind Italy in the timeline of COVID-19. My anxiety began to rise, yet others seemed to have dismissed the threat. So, the messages of health advice over social media and newscasts continued. The jokes between colleagues and friends continued. Soon, deaths and confirmed positives from COVID-19 rose in the United States. It felt almost immediate that the United States came to a grinding halt. Hospitals became overwhelmed with patients. Grocery stores were cleaned out. Sports organizations suspended their seasons. Universities and grade schools moved to virtual instruction. Music festivals, conventions, and conferences either postponed or canceled. Many people lost their jobs. And those fortunate enough to retain their jobs were told to work from home. Terms like social distancing flattened the curve. Essential and non-essential entered in the common vocabulary. Media, celebrities, and organizations wanted Americans to know that COVID-19 was serious and that it was here to stay if we continue to ignore the messages and go against all advice presented. COVID-19 was nothing to joke about. Overnight, the U.S. reached a grim milestone, more than 3,000 now dead because of coronavirus. I thought about every instance where I felt like I did not take enough precautions. I asked myself, did I wash my hands when I left my second class? Or did I wash my hands when I arrived home? Did I use hand sanitizer after touching a keypad at the gas station, ATM, or grocery store? Then, the frenetic Google searches began. What is COVID-19? How fatal is COVID-19? What are the symptoms? How do I know if I have it? Where can I get tested? That last search became the question everyone asked. Tests had become scarce. Every day, a new celebrity or sports star would announce that they have tested positive for COVID-19, and generally, they were asymptomatic. I wondered how common people could get tested if they suspected that they were infected. I live about 20 miles east from Los Angeles. Los Angeles County has a population of about 10 million, one-fifth of the entire population in South Korea. And in South Korea, they've been able to mitigate the spread of the virus by strategically testing its citizens. South Korea has led the global fight against the outbreak. In fact, Through these broad and strategic efforts, South Korean officials found that a large portion of positive cases were those between the ages of 20 to 29. What was alarming to me, though, was that I had yet to hear of anyone within my social circle to be tested for COVID-19. And I'm a part of this age group. Simply, not enough tests were being conducted in the United States, let alone Los Angeles County. 
Then my brother Albert became ill. He called his doctor, and the nurse on the phone told him that he appeared to have all the symptoms common with COVID, except for a fever. The nurse on the phone advised that he could only be considered for a test if he developed a fever or had trouble breathing. Albert has asthma, and this concerned us. Basically, the nurse said that he must experience severe symptoms for him to be accepted for a health screening and COVID-19 test. We felt that it was nearly impossible for him to be tested. So, we treated his cold as if he were confirmed to be positive for the virus. He stayed in his bedroom, one bathroom was dedicated to him, and we sanitized everything he touched. After a week of precautions, Albert was getting better, and his symptoms seemed to have vanished. So we thought. On a Sunday evening, Albert told me that he had fever and difficulty breathing. Yeah, I called her again. She answered the phone. I told her the symptoms continued. And she said, well, if they're not continuing and now you're out of breath, I think you got to go to ER. So then she said, hold up one second. Can I, I got to go real quick. So she left the room. She came back and she's like, yeah, no, you got to go to the ER. Albert went to the urgent care section of the hospital. The parking lot had numerous tents. The tents were makeshift diagnostic rooms for COVID-19 where medical staff in protective gear screened the patients. And a parking enforcement officer directed Albert to park nearby. We had some difficulty hearing as the generators behind each tent roared. And they'd give me some PPE, so just face mask. And of course, the nurses and doctors, everyone over there has a full PPE, you know, full face mask, like the plastic panes over their faces, helmets, basically the helmets with plastic over their face. Uh, and then two layers of uh, cotton face mask, goggles underneath the full visors, and then gowns, their nurse gown, a full plastic one, the plastic booties, and then another layer of apron over in front of them. So everyone's really kitted up, or at least the people that only the people that were like taking your temperature, asking you symptoms and filling out the info. He walked to one of the tents and filled out a small form. The nurse asked him questions while she held a clipboard and jotted down information. Albert looked at her. She was wearing full protective gear. And they'll start asking you questions. They have a piece of paper, and the paper tells you all the symptoms that are for COVID. And there's points, ratings. There's majors, minors, and like half points for like maybes. And you filled this out yourself? No, they fill it out. But I saw the paper afterwards. I didn't know about it at first. She just asks you, are you here because you're afraid you have COVID? And I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah. And so she's like, okay, here, uh, fill out this paperwork. And it's only like a little tiny slip. It's a quarter of a, sh a paper. And it's your name, last name, social, date of birth, and that's it. After taking his information, the nurse wrapped a plastic medical bracelet around his wrist, provided him with a face mask, and placed an orange-colored sticker on the left side of his chest. Albert found the use of the sticker to be odd. It's not uncommon for hospitals to place a triage on a patient to determine the severity of a patient's condition. Although, Albert said that he saw others receive yellow stickers and that he was the only one to receive an orange-colored sticker, which concerned him. Then, a nurse asked him questions. Uh, first off, while you're answering the questions, they won't let you talk until they give you a mask, a face mask. So they give you a face mask, search your bag, put a sticker on you based on how severe it looks like to them. And then ask me questions about symptoms. I tell them my symptoms. Then I wait. That's about it. They don't tell you much. Albert did not have to fill out an extensive amount of paperwork. Eventually, 
He went inside the hospital and walked down a long, narrow hallway into a waiting room. He described that the room appeared to be separate from the urgent care facility and that it was likely that it was only used for patients to be screened for COVID. He walked into the room and noticed that three other patients with yellow stickers on their chest sat on one side of the room, each with six feet of distance between them. The nurse directed Albert, the orange sticker, to sit at the furthest corner of the room, opposite to the yellow stickers. Albert was one of four people in this room to be screened for COVID. He was concerned and thought that it wasn't enough patients given the rapid communal spread of the virus. But there wasn't a lot of people. It wasn't busy at all. It wasn't crowded. There was parking spots everywhere. I was number three. He waited in the room along with the yellow stickers for about 20 minutes. Then Albert was called in and sent into a small room. The common room that most would see at a doctor's visit with a treatment chair, weight scale, blood pressure monitor, and anatomical posters on the walls. A young nurse greeted Albert. She was a novice and likely in training. The nurse came in. She was like 20 years old. And this was her second time dealing. She told before I walked in, I heard her talking to her nurse, telling her, oh, um, I don't, this is my second time doing this. And it's been a week. Do you have a checklist or something? <laughs> like a rundown? And they're like, yeah, it's in the room. So this was her second time dealing with the COVID patient. That was weird. And she was only like 22 something like that. On that 22, like 24, 25, young, young, like she just, they barely hired her because they, they're afraid of getting understaffed. The nurse conducted the usual diagnostic screening. She measured Albert's body weight, height, and blood pressure and asked what brought him in. She comes in, sits down. She's like, so, um, what's your symptoms? How you doing? And I'm like, I've had a fever three times in a week. I've been out of breath like all the time like i'm always tired and i have this weird cough where i'm wheezing like i'm wheezing like uh i don't know like I'm, i can't breathe the nurse explained that she would normally conduct the covid cotton swab test but that hospital did not have any more tests so um, she said what would we usually would do is do the cotton swab test where they stick the a long thin cotton swab in your nose and it goes into the back of your mouth and they'll take some of that and they'll run it through like a little dropper test. And if it comes up a certain color, you got it. But she said, well, it's pretty embarrassing. We're all out of that. So uh, we're going to have to change it up to a saliva test. Which is you just spit in a cup and that's how they test it. I asked her, is it as good as the consult test? And she's like, it takes longer. I should have asked her, like, is it as conclusive as the other one? Is it more, like, accurate? But I don't know. It's just saliva. It doesn't seem like it's accurate. But anyway. So she's like, but before we do that, we want to make sure you don't have anything else. So she, she's like, so we're going to check you for strep throat. Um, we're going to take an x-ray of your lungs. And then we're going to just... That was only two tests, I think. Yeah, they only checked for strep throat and they scanned, scanned my lungs. Oh, and bronchitis, yeah. That's what the x-ray, though. They can check through x-ray. So, I guess three things. They took an x-ray, looked for bronchitis, and strep throat. Because my coughing was really bad. It was like wheezing. And I still have it, but, you know. First, we did the x-ray. So, the x-ray was easy. They have like a... I only waited for five minutes, and then another nurse came in. She was wearing even less PPE. She was wearing just goggles and a face mask, no gown, nothing. Uh, she took me over to the x-ray room, which is like right next to mine conveniently. So, I only walked like a minute away. 
and you know how x-ray room looks they have two divided rooms set up with one for uh where you lay down and one where you could stand up and take an x-ray they t made me stand up and take an x-ray against a little plastic wall so they scanned my lungs from front to side and it only took like two seconds and so before you take it she'll ask you to take a big breath and then they scanned it and then she's like let go and then she puts you on your side while you're standing up arms up and you take another full breath and then they scan and that was it that was really fast um and she's like all right you can go back to the doctor's room the my room i waited there man this one took a while i waited there for like 10 minutes and then the same nurse with like less ppe with like goggles and face mask came in and she's like oh, okay i'm gonna test you for strep throat and the way they test you for strep throat is they get a long q-tip and stick it they touch your uvula and they touch your uvula and uh, use that saliva to check for strep throat like they put it through a dropper test and if it changes color you got strep throat she had a q-tip tied with another uh, q-tip just in case you know bent and so she's like you gotta go open your mouth and go ah and when she she stuck it and touched my uvula and she i thought it was only for a second no she's like we gotta hold it there for three seconds i gotta rub it she rubbed my uvula for three like two or three seconds and i couldn't hold it but i coughed right in her face and she's not wearing full ppe and i said oh i'm so sorry you know you're rubbing my uvula i can't cough like i cannot cough and she's like it's okay and i'm like it's not you're not wearing full ppe you're only wearing goggles and a freaking cloth mask did she seem concerned not at all she didn't care she just wanted to get it over with. She had only goggles and face masks, dude. This perplexed Albert. He wondered why the nurse running a diagnostic was not covered in protective gear like the medical staff in the parking lot. So I coughed right in her face during the swab test, or not the swab test, during the strep throat test. Um, she's like, okay, I'm gonna leave this tube here. If it turns a different color, then you have strep throat. And the color I think was violet, like violet purple. The nurse left the room for about five minutes. She left behind one of the strep throat test kits in the room while Albert waited for her return. The nurse returned and told Albert that he tested negative for strep throat. And when she came back, she's like, pulled up the test tube and she's like, well, you don't have strep throat. That's good. I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> I wish it was strep throat. So she says, well, that's all the testing we can do. You can go back to the waiting room and we'll tell you the results from your x-ray. Albert went back to the waiting room to sit in his corner. The other patients, the yellow stickers sat in the same seats Albert previously saw them in. Albert was unsure if they had been screened or tested yet. He waited 20 more minutes, then was called back into the doctor's room. The first doctor, she said, well, we looked at your results. You don't have bronchitis from the x-ray. There's no uh, pneumonia, signs of pneumonia for water. And you don't have strep throat. So we're going to move forward with the COVID testing. So she said, well, what's going to happen is I'm going to prescribe you influenza medicine. They call it influenza. When I pass me the prescription, it says I have influenza. And then in parentheses, it says like symptoms. The doctor advised Albert to go back to the parking lot that was lined with tents and generators. Before he exited the doctor's room, he was given instructions for the COVID-19 tests and what to expect. She says, so what you're going to do is the testing is done in car. So you go, it's a drive through uh, testing. So you go back in your car, you drive up in a circle. Since you have a sticker on you, they're going to wave you down and tell you to park in a certain spot. And then they're going to tell you to wait. And then they'll continue with the test. So what I did is I went back in the car, 
drove in a circle, and then they flagged me down. They put me into a parking spot, and they hate this is weird. The nurse, it was a nurse, a different nurse. She was in full PPE though. Doesn't make sense. The people in contact with people that are getting tested are in full PPE, but the people who are there in the nursing office aren't. So that was a weird concern. So uh, I parked when they flagged me down and the nurse with a binder and papers, she said, or it said, don't roll up or roll down your window. It said, keep your windows up, please. The nurse held a binder with laminated sheets of paper. She turned the pages, each with an instruction and explanation of the test Albert would receive. This test is not the usual cotton swab test, the test where a doctor would place a large swab up the nostril of patients. This test relied on a sample of saliva. And they don't talk to you. They rather keep the distance between you with the window pane. So they open it, it says, please do not roll down your window. Next page. We're going to test you for COVID with a saliva test. And the next page, um, we're going to give you a test. It has a cup, cough in the cup, and that's it. So then she, uh, she yelled through the window, uh, I'm going to go get the doctor to give you your test. So I waited like a minute. It wasn't even that much, a minute. And the doctor came in with the bag with the plastic cup in it. And he had a... He didn't have a binder that said talking or anything. He just yelled through the window. And he's like, you're going to cough into the cup with saliva from your lungs. So I'm like, what does that mean? I asked him, what does that mean? He's like, you're going to cough really hard. If you need a help, we're going to, we can give you a, like a water to help you like stimulate that feeling. And I'm like, no, I have water. So I drank water and then started coughing up that water. From, I don't know how it felt like I was gonna throw up because they wanted what they sounded like they wanted me to do was to cough from my lungs and that hurts so I cough from my lungs get the saliva from there and you could just feel it and I spit into the cup I showed him as I'm, I was like is that enough it didn't seem like enough it was barely it was like a little I don't know it wasn't a lot and he said yeah that's fine so then I rolled down my window and he has a plastic bag that's the size of the window I throw the cup in and he closes the bag, he seals it, and he's like, that's it, you're done. He yells out, we'll get the results in five to seven days, and we're going to uh, call you if you have it or not. We'll confirm with you. And he said, so the phone number we have on file with you is this number. And I'm like, yeah, that's my number, yeah, it's perfect. And he's like, that's it, you're done. <laughs> From when, The way he said it, he was like, it's fast, right? And I'm like, no, I've been here for four hours, basically. It took a while. That's it. I drove off and they didn't give me a paper saying I got the COVID test, which is weird. The only papers they gave me was a prescription for the influenza and what to do for the influenza. But then after you read the papers, it doesn't say just influenza. It says symptoms, cough, influenza, in parentheses, flu-like symptoms. So they don't call it COVID. They call it influenza still. So that was it. It wasn't hard. It was just some waiting. They do a lot of tests to check what else it could be before COVID. And since it takes a, takes a week to get a result, it sounds like they're backed up. What did you think of the whole experience? It was easy. They were prepared easily, but then there's some inconsistencies with they barely hired people to deal with it. The doctor I had, this was their second time doing it and she didn't have, she didn't, 
know the rundown. And the nurse I coughed into, she wasn't wearing full PPE, even though she's checking that she's doing the she's a few inches in a small room with someone that could have it. It sucks. Um, other than that, though, they did really well. They provided you with face mask. They give you sanitizer. At the time of this recording, I have not heard of anyone else within my social circle receiving a test for COVID, and we have yet to hear of Albert's test result. Anxiousness still resides in our home as we continue to self-isolate and speculate about my brother's condition. All we can do is wait.